are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Turn to the book of Job. The book of Job, chapter 39. Chapter 39, verse 19, hast thou given the horse strength, hast thou clothed his neck with thunder, canst thou make him afraid as a grasshopper? The glory of his nostrils is terrible. He poeth in the valley. The question tonight, have you lost your poem? I didn't say have you lost your more. Have you lost your poem? Has the church become a savorless salt to be trampled upon by a godless world and religion and the state? Have they lost their fear? Ms. Roloff came home this week and said, Honey, I was talking to a lady and she said, Are you really Ms. Roloff? And she said, Yes. She said, uh, People are afraid of your husband. Said they're just afraid of him. She said, I don't know why. Said he's gentle and kind and seeks to help people. I don't know why they'd be afraid of him unless they read something in the paper. Let me tell you something. Preachers, we need to gather again a godly respect and fear from the world about our ministry. Touch not mine anointed. Do my prophet no harm. Azariah, when Uzziah walked up in the pulpit and began to burn incense, he didn't say, please, sir, will you uh, consider the fact that you may be overstepping your authority? I wonder if you'd come back to my study and let's talk and pray about it. Brother, he made a 180 and came back with 80 more preachers and said, Get out! We need some preachers that'll tell the state and the governor and the rest of them, Get out! But let me say this, and I need it as much as any of you. We need the power of God on him when we tell him that. He poeth in the valley. You know, the world, and this is a strange statement, maybe silly and corny, but it came to me this afternoon when I got to the room. The world still has the sin itch, but the church has lost the scratch. There was a time when sinners trembled, wept, moaned, groaned. 
I raised seven questions on my give you on the radio day for us. I said, What happened to the mourners bench in the Methodist church? I said, What happened to the altar in the average Baptist church? What happened to the Sunday night service? Old fashioned evangelistic service when Every old son in the country would either come in or peep through the window. What happened to it? What happened to Wednesday night prayer meeting? What happened to lengthy revivals of two and three and four and five and six weeks? What happened to it? There's some strange things been taking place in this country. Look at David for a minute. I read on the plane today, and listen, if you want people to let you alone, you pull out your Bible. If you want to be a small pox Christian, open your Bible on the plane. But I tell you one thing, if them old jet engines, engines had begun to fail... They'd have moved over close to me. <laughs> There'd have been some of them sitting in my lap. <laughs> David, I read again, I never seen it. You remember David, and, and these are some extra things. Seem like that the Lord showed me, and I don't know when I'll ever learn the Bible, do you? It's just so full and and so rich, the more I pick it, the whiter it gets. But, you know, David, I think the hardest thing that he ever did, he said he fled. He didn't flee from nobody. And yet he, he fled from Saul. Because God wouldn't give him a permit to kill him. He, he came pretty close to it a couple of times. He went in and whacked off his uh, robe and, and he got his sword and armor and walked off and said, Hey, you know what this is? Old Saul, he'd say, My boy. To me, the world's had a lot of king trouble. The loneliest people in the world were the kings. You think of King Saul, the first king, wound up on a witch hunt with uh, the witch of Endor. Trying to get in touch with the preacher. That's right. Looking for God's man. He's looking for the oil man. And you notice, most of the witches are women. Most of the palm readers are mother so and she ain't my mother. Ah, poor old Saul. The Lord, he couldn't have a dream. He couldn't get in touch with God. He couldn't pray. God turned his back. You know why? He rejected the word of the Lord. I believe that'll work today. Anybody that rejects the word of the Lord, God will reject you. They do err not knowing the Scriptures, neither the power of God. But you know, David finally, he wanted to help Saul so bad. He played the harp for him. 
when he'd lose his temper and act a fool. And finally, they tried to kill him a number of times. And, and David went on out through the woods. And of all the people, and I never really had got the connection till today, he tangled up with the Philistine army and became one of their soldiers. He got in the Philistine. I mean, he got him a bunch of hillbillies, about four or five or six hundred, and they were out fighting these things. When they'd go take a city, they had to kill everybody there, lest the word get out that they'd been there. There wasn't a witness left, not one. There wasn't a little boy. I know that's horrible, but, but that's the only way David. And so, uh, finally, you remember, there came a time when Achish, Achish was the Philistine leader. And don't forget, David was the one that killed the big champ. He killed Goliath. And he was the big wig, nine-foot-tall fellow that fought for the Philistines and embarrassed the daylights out of all David's brothers. And David went up there, you remember, and killed him with a slingshot, cut his head off. Now then, he's fighting for the Philistines and living in their country. And Achish came and said, David, I want you to be my bodyguard. You're the greatest soldier I've ever known in my life. You don't know how to lose. I mean, every time you go take a city, you wipe it out and bring back everything and said, I want you to be my bodyguard. And about that time, you remember, old Saul lined up against him. No, the Lord was gracious in this. The man came, saw David and his hillbillies walking around Achish. A bunch of Philistines came up and said, Now, that dude there needs to get out. He, his heart's not in it. <laughs> now, I want you to give him a discharge. Achish said, Well, he's like an angel to me. He's one of the greatest fellows I've ever... Now, listen, he's some soldier. But now, fellas, don't, don't forget, he had a man after God's own heart. God must have a soldier's heart. Jesus must have a soldier's heart. We'll come to that after a while. And so uh, he said, David, come here a minute. David came and said, uh, Your Honor, what can I do for you? He said, uh, You're going to have to leave. He said, Leave? What have I done? He said, Nothing except maintain good conduct. Greatest soldier ever saw. But he said, My army, they don't, they don't believe me. They they scared you get over there with that bunch of Israelites. That's where your heart is. They think you'll turn on us. And boy, if you ever do, we've had it. <laughs> David said, well, sir, he said, if you tell me to go, he said, I am. I want you and all your men to go home. Y'all go back to Ziklag. You got your city. You took it and you go back over there. And he gave. Listen, David's the only man I know that ever got an honorable discharge from a dishonorable army. He really did. David, would you let me give you a picture? Turn to First Chronicles chapter 29. He's old now. He's just about. In fact, he's his own approach control. He's fixing to go in. Chapter 28, 21. And David said to Solomon, his son, be strong and of good courage. And do it. Fear not, nor be dismayed. For the Lord God, even my God, will be with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee, until thou hast finished all the work of the service of the house of the Lord. Why don't you preachers believe that tonight? You say, what did that say? It said you're immortal, long as you stay in the will of God till you get the job finished. 
That's what he said. Son! Really that? Yeah, he said, son. This is what's left of me. He said, how come your eyes are punched out? He said, old Jezebel got me. Delilah got me. Delilah, they both about alike. <laughs> Boy, listen. I still got enough flesh in me at 64 to wish that Elijah had turned around instead of running and took her by the heel popped her head off. That's the one little spot. I mean, that's one place he quit pouring in the valley. He, he pitched a pity party in Juniper Jungle. You remember that? And said, Lord, just let me die. He didn't want to die. If he'd have slowed up, she'd have got him. Brother, but it wasn't very long till he's pouring in the valley. You remember that? And he had, Eli- he had that preacher... Uh, Elisha came along behind him and he had him pouring in the valley. Yes, sir. Now then, Samson, he said, little boy, he said, would you show me where the pillars are? Little boy said, yes, sir. He put his arms around those big pillars and old Delilah and that bunch of devilish outfits up there celebrating the downfall of God Samson, strongest man. Man anointed of the Lord went to the bed. Over the flesh pot. Put them arms out around there by faith. Think of it, a blind man. No strength left. And a little bit, I think, he started pouring. He said, son, where are you? He said, right over here, Mr. He said, beat it outside now. I feel my pouring strength coming back. Ah, listen, them old muscles began to quiver and the power of God fell on him and those pillars began to crumble and they came down and he killed more at his death. Why? He wouldn't quit pawing in the valley. Some of you preachers, because you sinned and because you got tangled up in the world, you quit and you didn't think you could ever paw again. Yes, you can. I've told you a thousand times, the first man to forgive is the preacher. The last man to be forgiven is the preacher. But God will forgive you. God used Moses. He was an ex-convict. He used David to write the songbook. He used Paul. That was a murderer. Three convicts to write most of his Bible. You know why? They want to keep a point in it. <laughs> now then, too many things, but one more, and I could never close without it. And that is Jesus never did stop pouring in the valley. Oh, listen, so long till he was 30, almost 30. A little boy, 12 years old, little foot was falling. 12 years old, he's in there talking to the smart girls. <laughs> he was answering the questions they couldn't get to answer to. 
his mother and his foster father came back and said, Son, you, we've sought you sorry. And we're sort of ashamed that you'd cause this much trouble. And he said, Mom, I'll just pour in the valley. Yeah. I want to get started. Huh? I just want Yes. But it seemed such a long, silent time working at the carpenter shop on the front street in Nazareth. But there came a time when he looked up and saw blessed old John coming. He said, John, hey, come here a minute. He said, let's go to Jordan. John said, you're going to baptize me? He said, no, you're going to baptize me. Oh, John said, Lord, I have need to be baptized. See, he done recognized him. See, the Holy Spirit done told him. And so John was pouring in the valley to be baptized. Jesus said, no, you baptize me. And when he was baptized, the father pulled the mission blinds and smiled real big. Said, that's him. You know what I think Jesus, what father said to Jesus when he was baptized and a dove came down? He said to the dove, go down and tell him to sit. Jesus started pouring into that devil. Come on up and said, You want to meet me? Jesus said, Yep, when you get ready. <laughs> Met him out in the wilderness. And when the devil got that, Jesus was pouring in the valley. And he hit him three times with the word of God, and the devil lost his innards and walked off. I get tired of these sixes saying Jesus was just a sweet little teacher. Jesus was so kind and patient and loving. And Jesus, yeah, I know he was. I'm glad he was out of the way with me. But let me tell you something, Buster. Jesus had some conviction and he knew how to pour in the valley. You read the 23rd chapter book of Matthew. Brother Jack, as rough as you've been, you've never been rougher than that. He scalded and scared and skinned everything. See? Jesus defeated the devil. You know the thing that kept me in the fight? I was down on my back in Chattanooga, Tennessee. It's at the motel. Rancho Motel. Sick under death. And uh, the devil said, you know what? And he tells me this a lot. But I find that if I can find out who's doing the talking, I tell him just go home. I mean, that's a nice way to tell him to go somewhere. <laughs> and so, I was, I was, I, I, <laughs> Folks, let me give you another thought. Preachers, tell your boys and girls, the Christian girl, not to marry an unsaved boy. If she does, she'll have father-in-law trouble. Oh, listen, that's where our trouble's coming from in our homes. They're not saved. When you marry somebody that has the devil for a daddy, you're in for it. But did you know that Jesus came... And at that time, Brother Jack, I almost gave up the fight. The devil said, I'm going to kill you. 
Because you're not acting like a Christian. You're fighting the state. You're fighting the powers that be. And I said, but they ought not to be. <laughs> but I was so sick, I couldn't fight. When you get real sick, you can't do much fighting. I mean, even other people have to pray for you. You just lay up by and suffer and groan. Oh, you know, and that's where I was. I was sick unto death. They finally came out there and got me in the car and rushed me to the hospital. I thought I'd never get there. But you know what? The Lord gave me four passages of Scripture and put me back in the fight. Jesus went down the road and he said, Matthew, you better follow me. He said, I'm coming. I'll leave all that tax money to somebody else. So here he comes. He said, now, got your pencil? He said, sure, I got my pencil. He said, put her down. He said, what we're going to do? He said, I'm going to go up and cleanse that temple. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to paw in the temple. They've made it a house of merchandise. I'm going to clean that thing out. And uh, he said, I'll put it down. Right on down the road, he met Luke coming. He said, Luke, let's go. He said, you got your pencil? He said, sure, I got my pencil. He said, put it down. We're going to paw in the temple some more. He picked up Luke, Dr. Luke, and he, he said, let's uh, paw in the temple. We've got to cleanse that temple. He said, Lord, Matthew, Mark already got He said, you put it down like I tell you. And then directly... He got John, the most gentle fellow. You remember that? And, and Jesus was sitting there doing something that puzzled John to death. John said, Jesus, what are you doing? He said, uh, making a whip. A whip? The modernist said, that's just not like Jesus. Well, I know one day he made it. Walked in the temple, raised that whip, and said, Be on your way, boys. <laughs> and they all got it. That put me back in the fight. Brother Jack, I want to make something real plain, especially to younger preachers. The little preacher over in North Carolina said, Brother Olaf, in a little seminar we was having, he said, what are you going to do with Romans 13? I said, I'm not going to do anything with it. He said, believe it and obey it. I said, what are you going to do with it? Let every soul be subject to the higher power. May I remind you that when he wrote this, he's in jail. You know why? He would not be obedient to the state. But he was subject Brother Jack, when they threw me in jail or put me in jail, and I went out and reported for jail, they put me in for disobedience. I was disobedient to the state. I was subject to them, but I was obedient to God. When I went in the big steel doors and those two things closed behind me, and I had on my little old prison suit and little old mattress and a, a, a little old tin cup to drink out of, and, and so uh, I was obedient to God. Disobedient to the state, but I was subject to the state. If I hadn't been, I'd have shot some of them. <laughs> Brother Jack, the woman that closed our home, I left this out, the woman that closed our home that worked so hard, undercover, every way, they fired her and she was a lesbian. I tell you, I've seen God's judgment hand work the last five years. I didn't pray. I never pray for anybody to be killed. I pray for them to be saved. 
Now then, will you, will you get the connection here in Romans chapter 13? If you get this, you got it. Verse 2, Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. The power, the ordinance, they go together. The ordinance is the King James Version. The power is the Holy Spirit. That's it. If, if we go by, they say, higher powers, I said, brother, y'all represent the lower powers, not the higher powers. No Bible. Can you imagine? And I gave an illustration to the uh, Optimist Club in Corpus, and that was Wednesday after they closed me down that the Supreme Court ruled against me on Monday, October the 2nd. I said, fellas, let me, you think I'm unreasonable? Some of you say, why can't you just come on and get your license and be like everybody else? Why do you have to have a head-on collision with everybody? Because most people are going in the wrong direction. If they'll come out and go with me, I, they won't, I won't run into them. That's reading Brother Jack and I are controversial. Uh, why, salvation by grace is not controversial to me. Baptism by immersion, eternal sin of the believer. It's just controversial to those people that don't know what it's all about. And I said to the men down there, I got the Catholic priest and the Episcopalian rector and the Presbyterian minister and the Methodist pastor and the Baptist and the Assembly of God and Nazarene. I called a meeting of them. I said, now, fellas, uh, let, let's just discuss this thing. You all know the trouble I'm in and you know the trouble the state's in. I said, since their batting record is just about zero, let's go down and give them our rules and regulations. I said to the Catholic priest, you get your Catholic Bible. There's enough in that to get them saved. And so we haul off and go down there. We knock on the door. Well, fire department. They said, gentlemen, we're honored to have your presence. And what may we do with you? For you, I said, we've come to do something for you. We've noticed that your track record is not too good, though you spend a lot of money doing nothing. And we brought you our rules and regulations and want you to try these a while. And the Catholic priest comes up and said, I want you to take my Catholic Bible. And so we put them down. And would you believe it? That dear lady said, gentlemen, do you realize where you're standing? And I said, well, go ahead and state it. He said, you're standing in the state department and the Bible is not allowed. That's the truth. She told the truth. What could I do? I picked up my King James Version and went back out to the church. <laughs> but Brother Jack, the thing that got me next morning, here somebody knocking on my door. I said, well, you just come right on in. And you know what she said? Brother Roloff, we've just brought to you the updated minimum standards rules and regulations by which you shall operate your homes. Now, I said, lady, do you know where you're standing? I said, you're standing in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Get those things and get out of here. Now, folks, that's just exactly the thing. If that makes me unreasonable, I'm like them. They were unreasonable and wouldn't take mine. I'm unreasonable and will not have them. 
In closing, Jesus, Jesus, give me real close attention in the next three minutes. When Jesus came to the end of his runway in this life, at a very early age, he went to the garden. He invited his three precious friends to go with him and said, you can watch with me now. It was the zero hour of his physical life even of his spiritual life. And Jesus fell on his face after he went a little farther and began to pray. And so far as I'm concerned, he had his spiritual paw pawing in the valley. Father, remove the cup, but nevertheless not my will, but thine be done came and found Peter, James, and John sound asleep. Went back and prayed alone again. He said, it's all over now. He's coming. And he looked up and he saw Judas coming. Judas walked up and he said to the men, whomsoever I shall kiss is he. And last week when I read that again, I saw something I've never seen. Judas, while Jesus, lovingly with a broken heart, was pawing toward the cross. He said, Friend, wherefore art thou come? And he reached over and kissed him. And I saw last week when he did, he kissed some blood on his cheek, on his face. Tears, the very blood that could have saved him, he put a hypocritical kiss on. The devil had old Judas trying to get his money. Jesus, wonderful Lord. And as we close the service, Jesus. Died pouring in the valley, pouring for souls. Seven great statements he made as his spiritual paw dug into that old hill of Calvary. And they drove the nails and the spear. And dear friends, if I know anything about the heart of Jesus, and I don't know enough, I don't even know my own heart, but he does. I believe that Jesus tonight is pouring in the valley. I believe he's looking towards his father's throne to say, Father, I'm ready when my bride is ready. I believe he's pouring to return. Can you imagine, and this to me, is the heart. In the 14th chapter of Romans, you finish it up when he said, Every knee shall bow to me, every tongue confess to God. And um, can you imagine 
men coming along and writing rules and regulations for the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you imagine the jealousy that he has and we ought to have when they try to tell us what the bride ought to be doing and where she ought to look? Brother, we'll find our dress code in this, the Word of God. There waits for me a glad tomorrow Where gates of pearl swing open wide When I have crossed this little veil of sorrow I'm gonna dwell upon the other Side. Someday these old dark clouds will be rifted and all the gloom of night be past. And all these old heavy burdens are going to be lifted. The day of Christ shall dawn at last. Someday I'm going to hear those angels singing beyond the shadow of that old lonely tomb. And all the bells of heaven are going to be ringing while saints are singing home, sweet home. Someday beyond the reach of mortal came. Someday God only knows just where and when the To life, they're going to all stand still. And I shall go to dwell on Zion's Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit KNVBC.com for Christian music you can trust.